You know, our kids have been out of school the last couple weeks uh, due to the coronavirus. We have, I guess, a couple weeks more of that to look forward to, and um, I've enjoyed it. I know Leslie has. Our kids are, uh, we enjoy our kids. They've, yes, they're ornery at times like normal kids, so don't think they're perfect, but they, they do get along well for the most part. We found some creative ways to try to make use of our time. Uh, Noah had bought a ukulele, and so he will one day, I'm sure, play a special here at church because uh, he loves playing that thing. He serenades us with it from time to time. Caleb's been playing, uh, teaching himself the viola. And so we just get music all the time. I'm trying to play my guitar, and so we have a very musical house. Uh, we've tried to play some games together. We've, we've gone some, for some walks, uh, a lot of different things. Uh, another thing we've done to try to pass the time a little bit is we get on, get on YouTube and we watch some, some different shows. There's a show called uh, Live PD, which is about cops arresting people or pulling people over, car chases, and just things like that that I find more interesting. Um, a show that Leslie likes watching that is more mild is a show called Hoarders. And that's a very interesting lifestyle. If you've never watched the show, <coughs> uh, those people collect everything, and they collect it for years upon years, and they stash it all around their house. And there's, it's, when it comes time to actually get rid of some of that stuff, you know, family members really care about those people. And they try to get them help because it's unsanitary. They know it's not safe. If there was a, a medical emergency or a fire emergency, these people would be in a lot of trouble. So family members want to help them out of the situation. So they get somebody in there who is able to <clears throat> talk to the person, help kind of sort through what's valuable and what's not. Um, but that's kind of what the lifestyle is. It's, there's a disorder for it, and people are trained in order to help people. People hoard for different reasons. Some people hoard because as a kid they had nothing. I had nothing as a kid, and so I'm just going to collect everything I've always ever wanted. I'm going to stash it in my house. Uh, some people find security in their, uh, their possessions because somebody in their life has died or has left them or has moved on, and they, just, they, don't, find, they don't have some, anything secure in that, so they just start surrounding themselves with things that they find secure in. Uh, some, as as a kid or earlier on in life, someone took their stuff. And so they, they feel <coughs> violated, and so they want to keep everything that they can have as, as much as possible. Uh, some people just are hoarders for the fact that mom was a hoarder, or dad was a hoarder, or grandma was a hoarder, and so it's just a learned lifestyle. But it's a very sad thing that these people go through, trying to hoard all this stuff. It's more than they, can, they need. It's more that they can use. Um, it really has put a damper on their life. Uh, they don't want to go home. Oftentimes they live somewhere else because their house is holding so much stuff they can't really live there. And I look at that and I say it's really sad. And I, I say, you know what, I am the last person in the world who wants to be a hoarder. Uh, when it comes to getting rid of things, I, I probably go the opposite. I probably get rid of things too soon. I've, I've admitted lots of times where I even emails or paper copies of things I've gotten rid of. And that almost bit me in the backside uh, when I was in the hospital after my surgery, I came back home and my computer died. Well, I just lost everything that I even wanted to save, and I didn't have a paper copy of things, so I lost all sorts of stuff. Thankfully, I was able to send the hard drive to my brother, who put it, that information up in the cloud, and so now I just got to get another computer to put it on. But I haven't lost it. But the thing is, I have never wanted to be a hoarder until now. Now, it isn't because I... I need to find security. It's not because someone took all my stuff. It's not because, even because I lost things on my computer. But I want to be a hoarder because that's what I see everybody else doing. It doesn't take too much research to get online or watch the news and find out that people are hoarding 
everything that they can get their hands on, toilet paper and bread and sanitizer, all, all sorts of things. The president has even asked that people would stop buying things because there's, there's not enough supply for all the demand. You know, four weeks ago, you could have bought whatever you wanted at the store, and nobody would have thought anything of it. But today, people, you hear stories of people fighting over toilet paper. You, go to, you hear stories at Walmart or Costco where people are getting into fights and conflicts. Even somebody ended up going to the hospital over a fight over toilet paper because somebody was hoarding and trying to keep this all for themselves. And I, that is not the way that God wants us to be. As Christians, or if, I don't even think it's just other human beings we shouldn't be like this, but especially as believers in Christ, we shouldn't be the kind of people who want to hoard and keep things only for ourselves. Uh, some the verses we'll look at before we get to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, where Solomon talks about this very same thing just much earlier in life. Um, in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, Suppose a brother or sister is, is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? First John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? That was written a, lot, a long time later from where we're at in our passage today in Ecclesiastes 11, but it's the same truth as from the beginning of creation up until now. If we have something and we see someone in need, it is our responsibility, it is our job to try to help them. And so our message today is, is titled very simply, Do Good to Others. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're, we, again, it's titled, Do Good to Others. And that is the first point of this message, do good to others. Chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Now Solomon, he suggests here in verse 2, to give portions to seven or to eight. You know, he's not saying give every last bit of money, every last bit of, of toilet paper, every last clothing piece that you have, to other people. He says, give portions. Give some to this guy, some to that guy. And when he picks seven or eight, he's not just picking random numbers as if eight is enough. Because eight might not be enough. Uh, but he's saying, help as many people as you have in your circle, as, as you know, who need it. Now, for you, that might be one or two people. That might be it. God has put two, one or two people on your heart, or you hear about one or two people that need something, Go, go help that person. It might be something bigger. It might be five or six people. It might be 11 or 12. But the thing is, Solomon is reminding us what, what God has inspired, that he wants us to do good to other people, to as many people as who need it. Now, obviously, this is going to be easier for some than for others. The people who have a lot, it should be easier for them to be more generous because they have more resources than the other of us do. You think about Solomon. He was the richest man who ever lived. Part of the way he got that, those riches was by taxing uh, his people to, to pieces. You know, after Solomon died, uh, his son took over. The people were complaining about how Solomon used to tax the people so heavily. And Solomon, he had all the resources. He was rich, and he could give generously to as many people as who needed it. And obviously, one of the main reasons or main ways we can give or help other people is financially. It might be somebody who we see walking down the road who needs some cash. It might be somebody we know who's struggling to pay the bills, and so we write them a check. Or we might be able to somehow go to the, the, uh, 
the place that they owe and pay that bill for them so that they can have one less month of payment. So obviously money is one way that we can bless other people. But there's also giving necessities. You know, you could give somebody toilet paper. That's a necessity. You know, there's people in our country right now, I don't know where, but are using the wrong things for toilet paper. And it, they're warning people, stop doing that because we're going to create a different problem. Somebody has gobs and gobs of toilet paper. Somebody else doesn't have any. And so giving a necessity might be a good way to bless people. It might be a box of food. It might be the loan of your car because they don't have it. Maybe it's a meal that you just bring to them that's already cooked, but it's doing something. We can give money. We can, we can give necessities. You don't have those things possibly. You can give time. You know, we're all kind of stuck out here by ourselves. Everybody's supposed to be kind of home quarantined. That makes for a lot of lonely people. Think about the elderly who don't have anybody else home with them. Be the person who gets on the phone and calls them, checks up on them and see how they're doing. Write, them, write people texts, uh, write people letters, write them cards. Just, just do good to other people. And it might not be anything like that. Maybe it's just doing, giving somebody some manual labor. Uh, you see somebody down the road with a flat tire. You might be the person who can drive by and change that tire for them. You're doing good for them. They need it. You're helping them. Uh, it might be your neighbor who's working on a project. He just he can't get something into the house. Or he says, please, I just need your help to get something up the stairs. That's doing good for other people as you have opportunity to do that. Now, with family, that could be, that's a real blessing. You know, in times like this, if you have family around, you know you got people who got your back. You know, you can say, hey, grandma, or hey, mom, hey, brother, could you come help me? I'm, I'm, I need this. And you're, that family member is going to be right on your doorstep. I, I know if, if I was back home with my family members, uh, especially my parents, we, we were just always there constantly. Every little issue, we were there to help each other out. And uh, if you have that, you have that huge blessing. But there are a lot of people in this town, there are some people in this church who don't have that family connection, who are going to need their help. And it's easy to help the people that you love, the people that you like. But what about those people that you're not so crazy about? Those people that you're not so fond of? Think about that Henri coworker, the one who walks around work with an attitude that stinks. You don't want to be around that person, let alone help that person. Or what about the, the pain in the everything neighbor? The one whose cows are always getting into your fields because they don't take care of their fences. Or the one who's blaring their music loud all summer. Or the ones with the honorary kids that they're not raising right. Do you want to help that person? Or that person who only calls you when they need something? You know, you have caller ID on your phone and, oh, there's Josh again. Gee, I wonder what he wants. They stop by just randomly and you're just waiting for that bomb to drop. You're waiting for that question of, can I have this? Can I borrow this? Will you do this for me? And they just agitate you because you know they always just want something. Do you want to help that person? Or even just the, the stranger who just happens to be stuck on the side of the road. or happens, They're just innocent. They don't know you from Adam. They're in some place where they have nobody to help them. And you have an opportunity <coughs> to do good. Do you want to help that person? You know, Solomon, he gives this example in verse 3 of a cloud that gives rain. Uh, verse 3 says, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Now, a cloud doesn't discriminate on who it's going to give water to. It, gets, it collects the moisture, it gets really full, finally says, okay, I've, I've, I've got enough in me, I'm just going to let it go. And it, it pours rain on everybody. It doesn't say, wow, you're generous, and you're a jerk, and you're, you're a nice person, and you're, 
You lied to somebody. He, there's no reason for this cloud to say, I'm not going to bless you. You think about Matthew chapter 5, 45. God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God does not discriminate based of that, on that. So are you willing to be like the cloud? Are you, be, are you willing to look around and say, you know what, I have resources. People need it. I'm just going to give it to them, whether I like them or whether I don't. You know, it, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you and challenge you to uh, bless other people with what God has blessed you with. And I know that can be a very scary thing. If you're going to do that, there's two things that you're going to need to do. The first is you're going to over... Uh, let me back up here a second. If you are willing to bless people, you, you might be blessed in return because, God, because those people are going to choose to bless you. Verse 2. It says, give portions to seven, yes, you wait, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. You don't know what kind of disaster might be laying in your path, what's going to come down your road, because everybody's going to have hard times in their life, and you might just be the person who invested in somebody else's life now, and then later on it might come around to bless you, because you were willing to help them. They want to help you. You do not know what might be coming down your road. And you might be blessed because you are willing to bless somebody else. Now think about the person that you gave the box of food to. You know what? They may not be able to return the box of food, but they might see you standing outside your car needing a battery. Or your, your car jump-started uh, because your battery died. They might be that person who is willing to come help you because you already showed that you were willing to help them. You know what, maybe the guy that you gave a couple bucks to, that you saw, you know what, he, he looks like he could use some help. Maybe he says, you know what, you look like you can need some help. I'm going to return this. You paid it forward. I'm going to pay it back. Or the person that you gave the box of food to, or you uh, helped out in other, some other sort of way, they might say, you know what, I've I got this funny feeling that you might need some toilet paper. And they may be blessing you because you did it first. You invested into them. Now they were, are willing to invest into you. It's like I, I think it's just all an investment. You might find yourself in need. You might not find yourself in need. But if you are willing to help other people, they're more willing to help you in your hour of need. <clears throat> so if you do good to other people on earth, you may be blessed on earth. I, I can't guarantee it. I don't know it. But I can guarantee, I can let you know, that if you do good to people on earth, God is going to bless you in heaven. You know, I, today's, uh, the sun is shining. Um, it's, it's not Sunday morning, but the sun is shining. I mean, I know for you, if you're listening, it probably is. But suppose today's a beautiful day, and you go to Sandstone with your family. You just needed to get out. Everybody needs some fresh air. Everybody's cooped up in the house. And so you go, and you decide to have a picnic. And you decide, I don't want the rest of my sandwich. And so you take the bread, <clears throat> and you throw it. Um, I have a question for you. How much control do you have over that bread, where it's going to go. You know, you really don't have any, unless you're going to jump in the water and you're going to control it, which I don't recommend. You really have no control. You know, a, a bird may come down and pick it up. A fish may nibble at it. It may just sink. It may just go across the lake and get stuck in the reeds. I don't have any idea. <clears throat> but the, the thing is, once you throw it in, you're done. You have no control over it whatsoever. And Solomon is saying, you need to be good to other people like you do take that bread and throw it into the water. Verse 1 says, cast your bread upon the water, for after many days you will find it again. He's not saying that bread you literally throw into the water, you're going to get it back. Who wants it? As soon as it touches the water, I don't care who takes it. 
But he's talking about if you do good to other people in life, at some point it's going to turn around and it's going to bless you. Uh, you know, Darren has talked a couple of times about uh, at deacon meetings about using our money and, and helping guys on the side of the road and how uh, if you see a guy who's kind of panhandling, you feel like God wants you to give him that money and you do, you have no control over what happens. That guy might buy beer with it. He might buy cigarettes. He might go home and pay the light bill, right? You have no idea. You have no control over what he's going to do. But that's just Darren casting out that bread upon the water. He's doing good to somebody else. And if Darren does that, then Darren is the one who's going to be blessed. Our scripture reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 uh, through and 7. There's a little bit more to that we could look at, but 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 6 and, and, and on. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we're willing and happy to give. You know, and Paul's talking to this this uh, church about, the Corinthian church, about coming through on a promise. They said they would give a generous financial gift, and he's saying, hey, look, you guys said you're going to do this. I'm just encouraging you to come through and make sure you give this financial gift uh, to these people. And, and, <clears throat> and as we've seen before, as you sow, it's not just money that you sow with. You can sow with money, which is what this church was doing, which is obviously a, probably the main way that we can so generously, <clears throat> but you can show generously by giving necessities. You can sow generously by giving time. You can sow generously by giving effort. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. Do not expect to reap generously if you sow sparingly. That's not how it works. If you sow sparingly, that's what you can get out of it. That's what you're going to get. Whatever you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. And this isn't a chance. This isn't a roll of a dice. This is a promise. This is a guarantee. Those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. You see it as a promise. You will, you, you'll, you will benefit if you do this. Now when we have a lot, this sounds really easy. Sure, I can, I can give a lot because I have a lot in my leftover. You think about the woman who gave her two little last pennies. God said she gave more than the guys who gave in tons more money because they just gave out of their wealth. It was like no big deal. So if we have a lot to give, it makes it easy to give. It's when it costs us, when it hurts, that the rubber really meets the road. You know, think about what's going on in the world today. People are hoarding everything. Toilet paper, they're hoarding sanitizer. And, and that's, that's, that's one of the scary things um, that's, that's kind of going on in the world today. And people are taking advantage of their brains, are their, their, what they figured out might work uh, in advance. Like there's these two brothers that went over to multiple states and they bought all the sanitizer that they could. And they started selling it, a little bottle for about eight bucks and a bigger bottle for $70. That's all they're doing is trying to capitalize on what the world needs. They're hoarding it and they're, they're selling it back at, to make a huge financial game. Toilet paper is like having gold. I told you about the, the fights in Costco because people are trying to hoard it all for themselves. 
And I know it's a difficult thing not to join that bandwagon. I've already admitted that's what I want to do. But only because everybody else is doing it. You, know, you think about toilet paper, you think about bread, you think about sanitizer. All those things are just simple little things. They don't seem like they add up to much. But if you share those and you bless those to, with other people, God is going to reward you and he's going to bless you in heaven. Maybe not now. I, I, I don't know. He may turn around and, and you do get blessed on earth and in heaven. I don't know. But we're not called to worry about that. We're called to be obedient and to use what we have to, to bless other people. Now, that's a big pep talk about get out there and, and bless other people with what you have. But there's still this fear uh, about what about me? What about me having my possessions? And I, I think the two things you're going to have to do if you're going to get over, if you're going to be willing to share anyway, uh, the first thing you're going to have to do is overcome any desire to just look out for yourself. If I'm going to bless other people with toilet paper or with food or with money, especially in a time like this, I'm going to have to get my eyes off of me and get my focus on them. In verse 4, it says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So you have this guy who's supposed to be getting out there and he's planting to plant, but he says, I see the wind. Boy, that, that might blow away my seed. That might be bringing in rain when I'm not ready for it. And so I'm not going to do it. Nah, just I think I'll pass. I'll wait. And then you have this other guy who's, who's supposed to be harvesting his grain. And that seems a little bit more time sensitive. I don't know. But the wind's coming, and the wind could bring rain. Boy, I don't think today's a good day to harvest. And so you have both of these guys doing nothing. Why? Because they, really what they're doing is looking for an excuse not to do it. Boy, that wind could be coming and bringing trouble, so I'm not going to do this. <coughs> and we can be the same way when it comes to using the, our, the things we have to bless other people. We can be afraid of the wind. Now, the wind, in our case... It's not going to be the actual wind. I mean, we could if we have a tornado or something, but we don't, that's not our problem right now. Our problem is worrying about what our future holds unrelated to the wind. So I think the wind, in our case, would be man's predictions about the stock market, about a shortage, about a, what kind of impact our virus is going to have on our community. That's the wind. And we can look and say, oh, no, oh, no, what's coming? What is... What's, what's going to come down the line? How am I going to not have, I mean, how am I going to take care of myself if I take this opportunity to bless other people? And boy, I may not have enough for myself. And all it becomes is an excuse. Now, I will admit, I, I might find myself wishing I had more toilet paper. I might find, find myself wishing that I would have been, saved my money more. <coughs> or I might find myself wishing I had more bread or rice because this does go on for, for a whole year. I don't know. And then I'm the person who's left hoping somebody will help me. But I can't let my fear of what could happen stop me from doing what God wants me to do and sharing and doing good with other people right now. If all I do is focus on myself and all the impact this can have on me, I will not do anything to help anybody else. I will only worry about myself. And if we all do that, if we all only worry about ourselves, we're going to be a world in, uh, in a lot of hurt. We're going to be in a lot of trouble. So the first thing, if I want to, I mean, I want to get out there and I want to bless other people, the first thing I got to do is I got to get over just focusing on myself. And that's a big step because we all love ourselves. We want to make sure we eat. We want to make sure we have toilet paper. We want to make sure we have every necessity. But we got to get our eyes just off of me and I got to get my eyes focused on other people. The second thing I got to do is I just got to trust God for the outcome. Verse 5, 
It says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. I have no idea how the wind works. I know scientists have their reasoning and this in nature causes this and this causes this, but ultimately, where does the wind come from? It comes from God. So I have no idea. I just trust that the wind is going to come. It's not going to be too strong. It's going to be in the rain. It's going to push out the snow. But I have no control. I have no understanding, really. You think about a baby that's being born. There's two zillion babies that have been born. They've recorded births, and they've recorded growth patterns, and they've recorded at this stage of life, this baby has a heartbeat and fingerprints, and this baby can feel pain. But nobody really understands how a baby is built, I mean, how it's born, how it comes together. It's just one of those supernatural things that God does. And when, it, when the same thing comes with the way God works and what God can do and what God can accomplish through us who are willing to, to share what we have with other people, we have no idea what God is going to accomplish, what he wants to do through all this. We just have to trust him and get out there and do what he's asked us to do, whatever that is, to help fellow man in their time of need. So the first point with all that involved in it, the first point is to do good to other people. Do good to other people. The second thing is to be diligent in doing good to others. Verse 6. It says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. <clears throat> you know, you have this guy who sowed in the morning, and I'm sure he was... It took a lot of work. He had to hoe the fields or get the oxen to pull the plow or whatever it took in order to plant that seed. And I'm sure by the midday sun, he's getting hot. But there's still more to do. He's not supposed to stop. He's got to keep working. He's got to keep machinery or his, his equipment working. He's got to keep watering the fields. He's got to keep taking care of his other animals. He's, and Solomon's saying, don't just stop because you did some. You've got more work that you need to do. When you're planting a field, when you're trying to take care of your farm, you have a lot of work that you need to do. He says, you don't know what's going to succeed, whether the planting is going to succeed, whether taking the cows is going to succeed, or whether everything is going to succeed or fail, you don't know. Now, I, I think about uh, motivational speakers. Uh, sometimes I get really motivated by what people say, like, uh, he, you need, about exercising, and I get, okay, gung-ho, like, okay, I want to do this. I want to start exercising, and for a couple days until I get really sore, I'll exercise, and I'm like, ugh. You know, my muscles aren't much bigger than they were because I, I got kind of tired of, of working on it. Um, you think about losing weight. The new year comes. Anybody make a New Year's resolution? I want to lose some weight. It's a new year. It's a new start. We get the equipment. We get excited, and we go, and then it's like, it's not coming off like I thought it was going to come off. I have to sacrifice eating. I have to give up. All these things that I used to enjoy, I'm not really that interested. It's not really accomplishing what I thought it was going to accomplish. And there's just numerous things we'll get excited about, but when it comes to really being consistent with it and, and persevering in it, we can easily get discouraged. You know, you think about when you try to, to help your Henri co-worker that always is just negative all the time. You try to give him something in his life that he needed, but he's still the same. He's still a negative. He still doesn't seem like he cares about anything. It's easy to say, okay, I'm taking my hands off of that. I'm not interested in this. You know, the person who, uh, my neighbor who I've tried to help fix their fence, because that's one way of doing good for other people, but then their cows still come through at a different place. 
It's easy to say, you know what, I don't like this guy, I don't want to help this person, or the person with the music, you know, I'm trying to do something nice for them because they need it, but it doesn't translate into anything better. Or that person that comes over all the time and requests something with the, the caller ID on the phone, they say, great, it's Josh again. When you try to help those people or you help people around this world inside this church and you feel like it's not doing any good, it's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy to want to give up and say, what was the point of that? You know, I'm, I'm one of those people where I, I, I get discouraged probably too quickly. You know, we did the, uh, the dash, the, uh, the, I don't know what you call it, the, a box of food that we dropped off in the church's name with a card. We dropped it off at somebody's house. It was all set up perfectly. We dropped it off. The train went by. As soon as the train went by, we hit the door, and we came running home, and we left. And everything worked out perfectly. But we never got a thank you. No one ever came to this church. Nobody ever said a word about getting all this food. It's almost as if we never did it at all. And it feels pointless. What was the point of that, God? It doesn't feel like it succeeded to me. It feels like, yep, they got food to eat, but it didn't translate into a thank you. It didn't translate to anybody coming to church. It didn't translate to anything. And I'm the kind of person who's going to get discouraged and feel like, well, what was the point of that? I lifted weights for three weeks and look at my arm. I used to lift weights when I was in high school. And I'm like, mm. I, and I did it. I looked at lots of weights. I'm like, I'm getting stronger, but I don't look like it. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm the person who's going to get dis discouraged. And Solomon's saying, don't be discouraged. Be diligent. You don't know at some point this may succeed. And I've squashed ideas because I'm, I'm that kind of person. I'm, I'm trying to improve. Uh, but my wife, bless her little heart, uh, back in Spokane, in the area where we live, she wanted to do something called like a brown paper bag lunch. And where you take, you put an apple and a fruit and a drink and some cookies and you put a track in there. And you drive around Spokane and you see people on the side of the street that were panhandling, looking for <coughs> something, for a handout, and you would give them this bag of lunch. And you would just drive around, like make 20 bags and just say, okay, now we're going shopping because we're also here for that. Guess who squashed the idea? I'm not proud of it, but I did because I was thinking, well, what's the point? You're never going to know whether that made any difference or not. Shame on me. Solomon, I think, was, he'd be wringing my neck if, if he knew that I had done that because he says, you don't know what's going to succeed. Josh, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. How can you tell what's going to happen with those people? He just says, be diligent in doing good to others, Josh, and God will bless you for it. And so that's something that I've had to remember. So the first thing, first point is do good to others. The second point is be diligent in doing good to other, to other people. Number three, or third and final point, is remember that God is always watching you. God is always watching you. Verses 9 and 10, it says, Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. He's saying, look, guys, you guys got one life to live. You got one shot at this. And you're young, you know, especially you kids who might be listening, glad this is almost done. You're young. You have one life to live. Solomon wants you to enjoy that. So when this message is over and you go out and ride your bike, enjoy it. If you go out and work with the cows, enjoy it. If you go to bed because you listen to this right, right before bedtime, enjoy your bed and your good night's sleep. <clears throat> Tomorrow, enjoy your sports. You know, I, I've been watching a little bit of Major League Baseball online. They show some old games. 
I, I enjoy watching those. I just watch the games where the Mariners win, and so you're always happy. But enjoy this life. Enjoy your sports. Enjoy your work. Enjoy your family. Whatever your hands find to do, whatever your hands, arms find to wrap around, enjoy that person. Enjoy that experience. But remember, you're going to have to give an accounting for everything that you do. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 14 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden deed, whether it is good or, or evil. You're going to have to give an account. Everything you do now is going to have an impact on your eternity. Whether it was negative or whether it was a positive decision, it's going to have an impact. You're going to have a blessing or not based off of what you do now. So if God puts it on your heart to give toilet paper or a box of food, or to stop by and visit somebody, or to help someone on the side of the road, and you don't do it, one day you're going to have to explain to God, why not? And I, I, will, I will admit, I'm going to have to explain to God why I didn't do certain things in my life, because I haven't always been a good boy and always said yes to whatever God has asked me to do. That's a bummer. And hopefully from this point on, I will say yes to what God wants me to do. We can have less of those negative conversations and more rewards for doing the right thing. But if you're the person who says, you know what, Josh, I'm different. I, I feel like God wanted me to give that box of food or that toilet paper or, or write that card and I did it. Blessings on you. Good. I'm glad. I don't think anybody should want to have to hear, you know, have that conversation about why I didn't do what I was supposed to do. God will bless you for doing the right thing. So I just want to challenge you this week to do good to other people. Find somebody who has a need. If, you, if, you, if God brings it to your mind, if you happen to see somebody, make sure that you do it. If it's, if it's giving somebody some money, give them the money. If it's giving somebody a card in the mail with a, a letter of encouragement, write that letter. Don't let that another day go by without doing it. Sit down right now, get out the card, and just say, hey, I was thinking about you. I'm praying about you. I sure hope that God gets you through this and keeps you healthy. If it's somebody who has some physical has some physical need. Get, get your tail end over there this week and try to help them. If they're working on their car, try to get it going. If they're trying to fix their fence, if they're trying to fix a flat tire, I don't know. You know because it's in your world. You see somebody who has a need. Make sure that this week you try to be that person who does a good job to try to meet them. It will benefit you. It may not benefit you in this life. It may cost you time it may cost you money. It may make your toilet paper storage a little thin in the end. But I guarantee you that God will bless you. That will be you sowing, uh, not sowing sparingly. It's sowing generously. Then you're going to reap generously. It's a guarantee that God will bless you. Galatians 6.10 says, Let us do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. We need to be doing good to look out for each other. But we also need to be doing good to the world out there. We all need each other. We all are in this together, and as this virus thing might get worse and worse, we might need each other even more. So I encourage you, don't just make this a today thing. Don't make this a t this week thing. Make this, this a lifelong goal that I want to do good to other people. Before I close, I just want to make sure to point out that doing good is a good thing to do, but doing good is not how you get to heaven. 